And we're back with Cinema Cemetery. I'm Kate. This is Dan joining you today. Really like to mix that up, don't you? Uh, today we're talking about 1958's Gigi, and I'm sure that Dan has lots of thoughts. I know I do too. But before we get into Gigi, Dan, anything new going on for you? Anything you want to share with the listeners? Hmm, I don't know. We're uh, we're the, the the kids are back. It's been six months away uh, from, from kids in school, and they are back in business. And so that's interesting. We're we're pushing through with the new school year, and uh, uh, by the time this episode comes out, could be a couple weeks. Who knows? I we will we will see if it works or not. How how long <laughs> we're in, but yeah, it's been it's been busy. Just the waking up and dealing with being in my car. For an hour a day for no reason, which is called commuting, I guess. But I, yeah. I forgot about it. You know, you get away from that for six months. It just seems silly to spend an hour of your day in the car driving yep. to a place. So some people spend even longer. Yeah, yeah. To, I mean, that's, you've really had the that's, break. That's, you haven't had to go really into the building since March. No, 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 no. And and the times I did, it was it was like fun stuff. So, but it's good. It's good to to get back in and try some systems out. So we're we're getting there. Kate, what's new with you? Dan, I have a talking point. I know last time I wasn't good at having talking points, but this one was actually brought to me moments ago, courtesy of your wife. Oh, yes. I heard about this one. (laughs) So I guess this isn't new to you. Um, So for those of you that don't know, if I haven't talked to you about this, the Ewan McGregor and his best mate, Charlie Borman, have done are releasing their third docu series in the series of lo- first the first one's called Long Way Round, where they ride their motorcycles from London all the way around the world back to London. So they drive through Russia and America and ev- all of Europe. And then their second one was called The Long Way Down, where they started at the top of Scotland and went all the way down to South Africa. But just found out tomorrow is dropping the long way up from Patagonia to L.A. And let me tell you, never have I been just whisked away on a journey than when I watched the long way around for the first time. It is spectacular. What version of the map do they use? Probably a Peter's projection. Not the Mercator? I mean, Mercator's nice if you want to look at it for pretty sake, but a Peter's projection has a... It is more correct in terms of measurement and scale. It has fidelity of access. It does have fidelity of access. As I don't like looking at it, though, because it creeps me out. Does it? What if we put the, the, this, the bottom of the globe on the top and the top on the bottom? You can't, you can't you do that. Yeah, it's freaking me out. <laughs> can't freaking you out. Nothing All right, is where Josh. you think it is. <laughs> Nothing is but I'm really excited for you to watch this interesting thing that you like um, because it sounds like a much better experience than watching Gigi. I mean, I think anything was a much better experience than watching Gigi. And we really like we set up the watching experience so that it could be as best as it could. No, we 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 gave it more attention than we have some movies in the past, and we went into it with the optimism of uh, our first uh, musical proper, right? To yeah. win, uh, and we we knew it was the weakest of the four uh, musicals. This is the first musical to win, and in the next eleven years, uh, four total musicals win. So that we we're into something, but uh, it 
it was worse than it was 11 yeah, years ago. Yeah, and I thought, like, we watched it with my mom because she's a Gigi super fan. Like, my entire life, my mom has been obsessed with this musical. And so I thought maybe if we watched it with a super fan, it would elevate the experience and we would think it wasn't so bad. But that's not what happened. In fact, we made her less of a fan. <laughs> she now no longer likes the movie uh, after seeing it with us. And, and even we didn't even like have to say that much stuff <laughs> to to completely ruin this movie. I think, Dan, you made like literally like a small grimace and was like, that's weird. And my mom was like, oh. So the movie begins with Maurice Chevalier as an older man. What was he? What are he? 70s, 80s in this movie? Uh, yeah, he was 70s. He's yeah. singing Thank Heaven for Little Girls, which as you listen to the lyrics, it's not obscene, but it's, it's not great. Uh, you wouldn't sing it today. Uh, in a way, but it was his delivery of... Like, he was looking at little girls, essentially saying, you are cute now, and one day you will be a sex object yes, for me. I am excited for you to grow up. And, and it's, okay, yeah, you can't you can't do that. That's not okay. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that would be okay if, okay, it was just some dated language and, and really he meant well. But then you get to the the plot of the movie. Yeah. And it is exactly what the movie is about. The whole movie <laughs> is about so the courtesan creepy. culture. And maybe maybe we should have had somebody that knows more about this because our knowledge of courtesan culture comes from watching Gigi and doing some <laughs> Google searches about it while watching Gigi. So perhaps we are way off. But if I, I mean, if so, we, I don't know, do ahead. we want to explain a little bit about what, what's going on here? Well, let's so, so the film takes place at the turn of the century going from the 1800s to 1900s um and it's filmed in what's known as la belle époque in France, right? So it's this very idealized and beautiful time in in history when very rich people get to be very fancy. Um and there's and, and within high society there's a lot of rules and customs, right? So a part of that is if you are married, you are allowed to have a mistress. That's that's a part of the culture and expected. There are rules for how mistresses, or in this case, courtesans, are expected to conduct themselves in public because you're also allowed to be taking your courtesan out. Um, so young girls are trained into this culture and taught how to be the most ideal courtesan and so this entire movie which i never pieced together until dan was like so this is what the the plot summary is because it's never stated and i think that's because of code right um i guess I don't, I don't know this whole movie is about taking young jiju who i always thought was like 14 15 and grooming her into be a courtesan and it's like her grandma and her aunt doing this so and not it, like corrupt grooming her like she has lessons and everybody's cool with it and and everybody in rich society is excited for her to join the courtesan ranks and go yeah. go out in courtesan and she better be a good one uh, and and she has a line like she says something like oh what's the number one rule of being a courtesan is that we never marry and then the other woman says well some people some people get married, uh, but but 
courtesans, we get married at last, right? That's like the last thing we do. When we're older, we finally will get married. So so you have that yeah. down the road. You'll be allowed to finally pick one person. So they got a brave new world, uh, really. I, I never, I didn't read A Brave New World, and I haven't watched it on Peacock yet, so. Well, that's, it's a we whole other thing. Well, basically, and it's set in the future where they try to re- get rid of monogamous relationships by discouraging anybody from being with anybody for too long. Uh, in fact, oh. it's taboo in that society. But that's kind of what's happening here. Yeah. You have this culture of playboys, and then you have this culture of courtesans, and they are, exist just to entertain each other, and they sort of act like the social entertainment. They are the topic of the yeah. celebrity gossip magazines and pamphlets that are out there. And and so this movie, you could look at it, some people look at this as this cute little story about Gigi and coming of age and learning how to hold a spoon, and, and oh, she she's not good at it, and, but then she she turns into the swan at the end of the movie, right? Uh yeah, no, but uh, like that's, it's a lot of a lot of background happening here. <laughs> I like don't know if I I, I want to say and maybe I'm wrong, Dan, but it felt like you were even more upset than I was about the premise of this film. Just because I think I don't know, I was like, yeah, this happens, and you're like, this is bad. <laughs> I yeah. May, I don't know. Like we said, maybe we, neither of us are experts, so maybe maybe there is a more uh, wholesome description for it, or maybe it occurs. You so you are allowing for so much here. I'm just saying, I maybe I. The only thing we know about this is some Google searches, but based on that, seems Google can seems, teach you everything. Seems yeah. rough. Now, aside from all of this, which is enough to you know get you to sign off on the movie altogether and say I'm out. Movie's not very good. Anyway, right? <laughs> even, even if it were a, a wholesome story, uh, this movie is a, a shameless. Well, that's just the thing. It seems like a proto version of My Fair Lady, right? Because Dan, there's a oh, go ahead. It, it seems it comes out before My Fair Lady, right? The movie My Fair Lady comes out in 1964, I think 65. So this comes out first. You think this is an early version of My Fair Lady? No. It's not. It's a sequel. It's a knockoff sequel to My Fair Lady because the Broadway show already existed at the time. My Fair Lady was already well known. This was uh, this was like suits to to Mad Men, you know. I mean, yeah. They, so like a part of it. So the guy that wrote My Fair Lady, like the song, so Alan J. Lerner, he. I guess the way they were putting this together was he was doing Philadelphia, like they were test running My Fair Lady in Philly. And then they kind of pulled him and had him start working on this too. And so there's there. I mean, it's the same guy that wrote it, but like the songs are not, they're so similar. They're eerily similar, that talking type of song. And even the structure of the songs within the film is similar. It's just bad. My fair lady has, uh, you know, why can't the English teach their children how to speak? And wouldn't it be lovely? Meanwhile, this song has, I don't understand the Parisians, uh, both both <laughs> both uh, stories have a uh, on the street where you live slash never yeah. let a woman in my life slash uh, what's the last song of the the show I've grown accustomed to her face uh, it's the same thing right Gaston our lead character walks around Paris I think like for ten minutes straight I uh, mean it was lengthy reenacting the same song and and yeah they're not catchy they don't stick in your head you, I don't remember any of the titles without looking them up here it's other than it's a rough knockoff of of my fair lady it's like let's let's just do that again it's like you know grease two or something i mean it kind of did feel like that and they were off they offered audrey hepburn the lead role of gigi and she passed because she's no fool 
Like she was waiting, waiting. She for was this. like, she was like, I'm good. I'll take the, I'll take the better one. Speaking Thank of you. people in roles of movies we didn't like, our lead here is the lead from American in Paris, Leslie Caron. But let me, oh, go ahead. Completely different. I didn't recognize her at all. I had to to look it up, but I, I didn't like her in this or that for very different reasons. So I'm going to disagree in that I think her performance was the only thing that stuck out to me. It's the only thing that's ever stuck out to me about this movie because it just showed her range, right? And in American in Paris, she was super reserved, barely spoke. She was just there to be a dancer and a pretty face for Gene Kelly to look at and like stock. But in this one, she showed a like just a range, a depth of character, a depth of, I don't know. She could do more. She did more than just s- sit and look pretty. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess both of them aren't her fault. I don't blame the actress, but I don't. I didn't enjoy watching either character. But but yes, this one is different than, than the other one. Uh, it was interesting. Our main character, Gaston, is played by the actor whose name I don't have in front of me. Lou Karen? No, way. It is Louis Jordan. Jordan. And I could, he plays, ultimately, he goes on to play the villain in the James Bond movie, Octopussy. So I've seen that many times. Probably the worst James Bond movie, too. So we have the worst James Bond movie villain uh, in this movie. And he's supposed to be this romantic lead. I don't know. Meanwhile, Marie Chevalier keeps popping up, clearly, in his contract that he does not have to stand more than two minutes on set. He sits and sings all of his songs. Uh, so that, yeah. I, I just can imagine, I bet, I bet he was on set for five days and well, uh, did all his scenes. They, they wrote the whole part for him. Like he was barely in the novel and he was barely in the play and they wanted him in the movie. So they just literally wrote this role just for him. So I'm sure they were like, you're 70, I think he was like 73 or something. So they're like, we'll just make this one easy for you. Show up, sing a tune, and go home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the funny thing is, I think I Remember It Well was my favorite song in the movie. That was a good one. Uh, and he's just sitting there with this other woman, getting all the facts wrong, and not, you know, doing his Marie Chevalier fake singing. And uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. I was okay with it. It was the uh, I Got Rhythm of this movie. <laughs> The I Got Rhythm from American in Paris. This is uh, a Parisian in Paris. And- yeah. But I mean, like, his character and Gaston's character are self-proclaimed womanizers. And while Gaston, good on you for changing your tune and realizing women need to be respected, my vote is, if misogyny makes you angry, this is not the movie to watch. No. and Or if just, like, general... Uh, you know, non-creepiness in the, in the world. I, I don't know. Non-creepiness. We haven't even talked about the plot. I mean, I don't even know if there is much of a plot to talk about. The first half is just we meet our characters in random settings. Gaston is bored. He, he sings a song about it being bored. And uh, Gigi is kind of fed up with her training. And then they go on a uh, like a weekend together, not not romantically, but he's a friend of the family. And and then and then they all, every single character, simultaneously gets the idea that Gigi and Gaston should play boy courtesan together, right? Yeah. Uh, and so they all, every single character, even Gigi and Gaston, without communicating this to each other, start training for it. And then they have like their date. And then Gaston's like, "No, this is weird." We should get married instead, which is also weird because he's, what, 35? And she yeah. she can't be 
more than 17. Uh, There's no maybe, way. Like, maybe it, 18 if I don't know, but probably 16. It, it she she seems very young at the beginning. So yeah, it's 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 no. Why is this movie winning Best Picture? <laughs> no, just no. Yeah, I I agree. It was weird, and I tried. It was I tried so hard, and I don't know why I was trying to justify it, but I was trying to like read the production notes and figure out kind of what was going on. And even that was all boring. The thing that I did like was the TV guide re- uh, review that called it overbaked but enjoyable and a banquet for the eyes. But that's mainly because like I really loved that red apartment and there were some really beautiful shots of Paris and that was great. But everything else was... It was in color. I guess. Um, <laughs> but I'm thinking, so what can I compare this to? Have you seen the movie Dangerous Liaisons with Glenn Close and uh, John Malkovich? I haven't. But now that you mention it, I was actually texting. <laughs> I was texting Tess about doing a John Malkovich watch because I'm obsessed with him recently. Everyone should go watch The New Pope. Anyway, I haven't seen it, but now I'm gonna. Yeah, we actually watched it uh, a couple months ago, and it is much it's set in 1780s um but it involves similar aspects here but of course in that movie every character is evil and terrible and it's not a musical so they're all like sneaking around trying to trying to get each other and trying to to um seduce each other etc uh but you are not like oh that's cute and and lovely and this is great uh you're like oh these all these people all deserve what they're getting and so that as they watch Gigi, it's it's just it's it's odd to see it in such a romanticized uh, situation. Candy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially since and we kind of dropped the ball this week, mainly because we saw this and we uh, just waited too long to record that it was time to just record this. Uh, we did not get to watch Vertigo, uh, but I have seen Vertigo. And from my memory, I forgot we were going to watch Vertigo. Well, I, me too. And uh, I, I can say distinctly Vertigo is a superior movie in every way. It is not only your typical Alfred Hitchcock suspense, not only Jimmy Stewart's solid acting, um, but it invents the dolly zoom uh, shot you know when they go forward and backward at the same time Ooh. Right? they use that in jaws and uh, lord of the rings and lots of stuff uh but it's it's psychological uh it messes with the audience because uh, if you've never seen vertigo spoiler here i haven't oh no okay i'll just never take mind my earbuds any out. as you watch the movie halfway through you start to wonder is the character crazy or are you crazy and they don't tell you until the end and and the the end ends up being really surprising and and well done so that such a better movie and has held up over time and in the afi top 100 so i'm going to call this a snub even without re-watching vertigo this is slam dunk snub for vertigo over gigi 1958 maybe one day we'll get bored and watch vertigo and just throw in a vertigo episode just just to honor just a just an episode thirty two point five vertigo. Yeah. yeah. Well, because this is they said that this is in it, and it's always included in the AFI stuff, and it's in the National Film Registry for the Library of Congress. And my question is, why do why are we celebrating this? Why are we why are we memorializing sexualization I, of babies? I could it's, even get behind like it. it if it were not behind it, but if it were like a historical event, right? If this actually happened and these were famous people and they're they're portraying it for real. But it seems kind of like they just wrote it 
kind of fictional. So it it seems like an odd movie to make in 1958. And an even odder movie to watch in 2020. Right. I don't know how much more I can say about Gigi. Uh, I mean, there's I there's I got nothing, man. I don't even got rhythm here. This might be one of our shorter episodes. It looks like we're yeah, we're we're just in the 20 minutes, which is which is, you know, fair length, I suppose. But uh, not too much more. Next week, we might make up for it next week. Next week, 1959. Probably the third longest movie on our list. Oh, ooh, is this Ben-Hur? Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur. I've been meaning to watch that my whole life. Yeah, I've been meaning to enter that marathon. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is Ben-Hur. <laughs> Charlton Heston is back with us again for another, oh, re- I, I think it's three and a half Three hours and forty minutes, maybe. Uh, We're gonna for another have to epic. take out for that. Business. This movie is tied with two others for most Oscar wins. Period. Eleven. Eleven Oscar wins. In fact, I'm here for it. You know, it better... you know what movie had the record for most Oscar wins uh, prior to Ben Hur, which has eleven. I do, but do you want to tell them, or do you want me to tell them? I think. Well, if you know, you should tell them. Gigi, Gigi, why? It was Gigi. <laughs> when Gigi came out, what did it have? Eight? Yeah, and then, and then, so then Ben Hur takes the cake, and then the next time we get a, a record breaking Oscar number, it's not till, wait for it, Lord of the Rings. Nope. What? Did you I forgot really something. Wrong? Lord what of the I Rings forget? has 11, Ben Hur has 11, and there's one more Titanic. Yes. Really? Yeah, Titanic is the Did third I just one. guess that? I mean, I went and saw Titanic four times in the theaters. Did you? No, I never saw it in theaters. That's right. You weren't allowed. Right. Well, we'll, I, we'll save all this for three years from now when we get to Titanic. But I have so many things to say about Titanic now. It would now. be much better than Gigi. It was my favorite. This episode is about all the things we're going to talk about <laughs> later. We're going to talk about in other better episodes. But Ben-Hur, oh. Ben-Hur, 1959, and following Ben-Hur, we get to the 1960s with our final black and white movie, with the exception of, you know, some stylized ones down the road. Wait, Ben-Hur's in black and white? No, Ben-Hur's in color, but after Ben-Hur is The Apartment, our last, like, regular black and white movie. I'm interested to see The Apartment. I'm yeah. intrigued. Yeah, it's not very colorful. <laughs> well, Kate, where should we put Gigi on the list? Cause at the I, bottom. I, I don't know. It, I, I'm, I'm tempted to put it at it. the bottom. Is it worse than Greatest Show on Earth? I'm willing to say yes, number 90. Is it worse than Broadway Melody or Cavalcade? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. I'll, you ready for why? Mm-hmm. Um, Broadway Melody was the second Oscar winner, so it was at the beginning of the... It was the first talkie to win. It was just working out the kinks, and while it wasn't very good... I can award points for trying and learning. Cavalcade was just boring, but it wasn't offensive. Gigi was offensive to me. I wanted to be at the bottom. I I can get behind this. Yeah, uh, I would. I would watch. No, I would watch those other two before I watch Gigi again. Yeah, I I would. I would think Cavalcade. I must have missed something. There must be something else there. Let me go back and check. And uh, Gigi, no, I never need to see this movie again. So Gigi's going to go at 92, and we're going to promote Cavalcade now, 91, and Broadway Melody gets promoted to 90, and Greatest Show on Earth gets promoted to 89. Kate, we're filling up the bottom here. 
Look at us. The, go. the next movie. Turns out we're much better at p- saying things are bad than they are yeah. good. Oh, yeah. And one and two are still empty. Lawrence of Arabia, a year later, is still our top movie at number three. Maybe it'll get wow. promoted to number one, but the bottom is filling up. Wooey. Let's All find right. out. I'm excited to be on the journey. Well, I think that's enough for Gigi. I think the episode doesn't deserve to be any longer. And we should we should rest up for Ben Hur because we're gonna we need our energy up. for that four hour four hour chariot race. Oh gosh. I'm ready for it. I'm gonna bring snacks. Yes. Well, folks, thanks for joining us this week on Cinema Cemetery. Our uh, intro and outro music, as always, by the redoubtable Chaz Hearn. Redoubtable? Yeah, it means like... Unable to be doubted? Can't re- No, you doubt a second, you redoubt. Why would we doubt Chaz twice? He's perfect. No, it's just like, he's, he's, the, he's the guy... Okay. Let me look up the, the <laughs> definition. Redoubtable. You know, you never used that phrase before. I've no, I've never used it. But our uh, logo artwork was done by the very talented Andre Perez. Formidable is a... another synonym for redoubtable. Jazz is formidable with the guitar and the banjo. Well, anyway, I have been Dan. <laughs> I I continue to be Kate, and we'll see you all <laughs> next time. 